All right, now, every once in a while, the Lord gives me an idea with uh, using of a prop, and I always balance these because um, I just don't want to be corny or silly in the house of God, but I do believe it'll make it a point this morning, and as I pass these around, lo and behold, my pastor decides to surprise me with his visit, and so I feel a little intimidated already, but... Um, I need like 50 volunteers, you're a volunteer, Philip, whether you like it or not, you and your wife. I need people who will just put these glasses on and not say anything. Just put them on and wear them the entire service. All right, here we go. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. A great house. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about God's house this morning. The church of God is indeed a great house. And I believe we've lost that, that flavor in our nation. We don't look at it as uh, all that important to come to the house of God. But it is a great house because of who it belongs to. It belongs to our Lord and our Savior. We're not so much talking about this, and yet we are, but we're also talking about this. This is a great house, a great thing God has done. The house of our great God is certainly a great house. And we need to get that back into our hearts when we come to the house of God. It is a great house because it is planned and designed on a great scale. The plan and purpose for this house makes it a great house. It's a great house because of the great cost that it took to build this house. Unbelievable cost price that was paid. And it's a great house because of its importance. And if we lost anything in our nation, it's the importance of going to the house of God. No longer is it important, no longer is it necessary. We've gone from a nation who did nothing on Sunday but worship God to doing everything but worshiping God. And you can see the price that our nation has paid. This house and what happens here is the center of God's plan for all ages. It's an unbelievable privilege. It's an unbelievable house. The business of this house is more important than any of the trivia of all the world. What's going on right now, this moment, this day, in this house. God's house is a great house. You need to instill that in your children. You instill that into your children by getting up every time it's to go to the house of God and you get going. A great house. Now, verse 21 says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So let's just read again those two verses. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, set apart, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. That's supposed to be you and I. Definition of that word meat, meat for the master's use, means to be useful and profitable. 
You are to be useful and profitable. Profitable for the master's use. You are. He has this great toolbox that he opens up and he looks for the tools that will be useful, that will be profitable to him. And that's supposed to be you and I. Profitable. Meat for the master's use. You and I. You have a purpose and a reason for being saved. 2013, the latter part of August. A purpose, useful, profitable. Philemon, verse 10, says this. Paul says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to you and me. In times past, I was unprofitable. Absolutely no good, no profit at all for God. And then God pours in His Spirit, places you on that rock, and you become profitable. And Paul was just saying this about his son in the Lord. So you and I are to be profitable. Now you have to figure how Americans live today. We live unto ourselves. We come to the house of God, this great house, if it's convenient. If it lines up with our schedule. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.10, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica. He left me. He's gone. Verse 12 says, Only Luke was with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable, useful to me for the ministry. Are you useful? For God, in the ministry. Are you being useful? How about this one? Would the Lord call out your name for a certain job? Separate unto me, Fonda and Mark. Would he do that? Would he call upon you? Because he does. You know it in the Word, right? If you know your Word. Acts 13, 2 says this. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul. I want these two for this job. Separate them. Have you ever given that any thought? That God has a specific job for a specific person at a specific time. And that's you and me. All you got to do is look how God designed the ark, designed the tabernacle. He didn't just throw it together. He said the brazen stuff on the ground, silver sockets up top, gold woven in, purple. He knew exactly what he was doing. It's a purpose. And you have to ask yourself, as we live in a declining nation that's turned its back from God, are you being useful and profitable for God? Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ, look, unto good works. Work! 
good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You are called by God in Christ to do good works for God, being useful. You and I are. Same scripture, New Living Translation. Look at this. For we are God's masterpiece. I'm not a piece of flesh just thrown together. God thought me out, created me, knit me together. I'm his masterpiece. And I know the enemy spends your entire life trying to dumb you down. You're a fool, you're a jerk, you're useless, you're good for nothing. And God has said, I have created my masterpiece. Here it is. That word masterpiece means best piece of work. I am. You are. For what? To do good works. To be useful. To be profitable. It's exactly what it says. Let's read the whole thing. New Living Translation. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ. Being born again. Why? So we can do the good things He planned for us a long time ago. Long time ago. I have been thought out. I've become the masterpiece of God. He has a blueprint that he set out for me a long time ago. Now God says, are you being useful? Good works. What are we doing for God? Okay. John 4.30 says this. Then they went out of the city, came unto him, In the meanwhile, the disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat, M-E-A-T, to eat that you know not of. Therefore, said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him aught to eat? Who brought him lunch we don't know about? M-E-A-T. Jesus said unto him, My meat, my food, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. This was God's food, the Lord's meat. My meat, my nourishment. How do we see the American church? How healthy is the American church? God says, this is my meat. Look, this is my nourishment. What is? To do the will of God and to finish it. It's my meat. It's my nourishment. It's what makes me strong. Nourishment means that which is necessary. Now think of it as obviously in a natural, physical, but think of it as spiritual. Nourishment. God says, if you don't partake of this meat, that which is necessary isn't going to happen to you, happen to the church. And you must have nourishment. It is necessary for growth, health, 
and to be in good shape. What kind of shape are we in? Hit the deck and give me 100 push-ups for Christ. What kind of shape are we in? Spiritual shape. God said, this is my nourishment. What is? To do those 100 push-ups, those good works, those things God has called me to do, and to see that they're finished. It's my nourishment. Okay. Verse 35 says, then God says this, after all that, then don't be saying to me, there are yet four months, and then come at the harvest. He's saying, behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look. Look on the fields. Look at them. Look at the masses. Look at the group of people that are in your sphere of influence. Look at them. God says, look. He said, don't tell me there are yet four months. And you come to harvest. Behold, I say, lift up your eyes and look under the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Harvest time is now. God says, church, lift up your eyes. I'm telling you, every time I preach, I preach unto myself. I'm fearful we are becoming unprofitable, unuseful to the Lord. And God says, if that salt is no good, I have mine on. The condition of our nation is not Obama's fault. It's not the Democrats' fault. Not the homosexuals' fault. It's the church. It's the church's fault. Church, our purpose, our meat, M-E-A-T, our nourishment, what that is necessary for me, growth, and to be healthy and in good condition, is do the will of the Father and finish it. A lot of us are great starters. You mark, set, go. Matthew 9, 36 says, But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That's you and I. God's a great accountant. If he was to pull your records up, how would he see the bottom line? Has it been profitable to redeem you, wash you with the blood of the Lamb, fill you with the Spirit of God? Is he getting a return for his investment? I would, I would, Pastor, I would. I understand exactly what you are saying. But, But I'm so busy trying to raise my own family. It's so hard now. It's true. I know it's true. And if truth really be told, I would, but I'm just so darn busy. I've tried. I didn't have to search for those words. They're right on the tip of my tongue. God, what, I don't understand. You look at the shape we're in. You look at the points that we've made. And then God says, okay, go read Haggai 1. 
1.1, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, all these groups, saying, listen, this is very important. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, this people say, the time has not come, the time that is the Lord's house should be built. It's not time for us. We're just too busy. If I could just get my house paid off. I am just about a retirement. I got to get that last kid through college. I'm just starting out. And God says, listen to this. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? In this house lie waste. Think of the condition of our nation. Think of the condition of the American Christian church. God is saying, is it okay that this nation is taking the trip, it's taking the turn, it's taking, and you're still making sure your place is okay, but my house lie waste? Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much, and you bring in little. Look what he says here. Because we are trying to feed and sustain and be in good health and nourishment with that which is not meat. It's not. Because the Lord says, man, I got meat that you don't know of yet. I got meat that will make you strong and vibrant, ripped in God. And yet we still don't see it and don't perceive it and so we go off in life. We're born, we get through school, we might go to college, we get a job, we buy a car, we might get married, you get a pet, have a few kids, you get old, you put in a 401k, and you go by your grave and you die. America! Isn't that true? I'm at the age now, I'm going, darn it, I better go buy a grave. I better make sure I got things in order. That's life, that's what we were called to be and do. So God says this, when you go your way and you get caught up into this stuff, then all this stuff will happen to you. What is that? He said, well, you're going to go make a lot, but you're going to bring in little. You're going to eat, but you're not going to have enough. You're going to drink, but you're not going to be filled with drink. Clothe you, but there's no warmth. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into bags with holes. Well, if I could just get time, Pastor, I would do what God has called me to do. And it never comes. It's just hole after hole. You, we must live according to the Word of God. We must treat the house, His holy sanctuary. Thus saith the Lord of hosts again in verse 7. He says, man, consider your ways. He tells us to go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will glorify it, saith the Lord. In other words, God is saying, start to build my house. When is the last time you brought someone to Christ, brought someone to church, spoke to someone about God? Because that's what the American church has become. At best, now, we just go. 
It is. It is. Should we pretend it's not? Should we take them? Okay, take them. And pretend it's not. You're out there, but you're blurry and kind of fit, fuzzy, and I can't see any detail, whether you're smiling or giving me a, I can't see nothing. Well, great, praise God. Or should we focus in and truly see? Oh, my gosh, God. So he lays it out in Haggai. He tells us, what I'm telling you, this meat, M-E-A-T, I'm giving us this morning is absolutely necessary for your health, for your growth, so you can be in good condition, strong to run the race, and to finish the race. I'm telling you, Christianity looks like any huge marathon in any city. Start out by the masses and go sit by the finish line. One. Two. Well, wasn't there 10,000 that started? I don't care how fast you go. Just finish. Haggai goes on. Look, he says, you look for much in low it came to little. And when you brought it home, look, 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 look what it says when you don't do it God's way. When you finally get it home, God says, I did blow on it. <laughs> when you finally amass whatever you're wanting to amass after all the labor, you got this little pile and you finally bring it home. God goes, And we start all over trying to do it again. Instead of just saying, could this possibly be backwards? Christianity in America is backwards. You should sit with your back towards me, and I'll preach with my back towards you. Because that's what it is. We do the opposite of everything that's in here. We're self-consuming everything. When God says, bring your sacrifice and bring your best sacrifice to me this morning. Whether sound works or not. So God says, look. You bring this stuff in and I just blow on it. Because it's, it's foolish. It's nothing. Verse 9, you look for much and lo, it came to little. When you brought it in home, I did blow upon it. Why? Why? Why would I blow on it? Say it, the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is waste. Because of the people that haven't come to Christ. Because of all those you've passed up, you haven't talked to. At least given them opportunity. You haven't spoke life into them. You haven't even hesitated. You haven't even slowed down. You haven't even looked. God says, therefore, anybody seeing clearer? Nate, are you seeing? Because of my house that is waste, and you run every man unto his own house. Now, look, you can do this. Forget it. <laughs> Forget it. And you still go out and do your little thing, and God's still going to go. <laughs> or you could just possibly say this morning, okay, wait, 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 wait. Slow down. Slow down, Pastor. What? What? 
this is what my dad told me. I better go to work when I'm 15. I better do this. I understand what we were told. What about your heavenly dad? What did he tell you? Verse 10 says, therefore, the heaven over you. Now you think of the true, rich, majestic, powerful moves of God in America. Where are they? Where are they? God says, therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew. Now, look, we had a little golf outing yesterday, and it was a blast. I stunk, but we had it was a blast. August, what is today, 25th? August 24th in Ohio. And we're on, I don't know, we've already played like, we had two holes left. So we played 16 holes. We're still walking on the golf course, and it's like sponge under us, water. In August. Usually you could be on a par five and stand on a tee and roll it 300 yards. Because how hard the ground is. In August. So that moisture and wet, wasn't it? You guys golfed? Surprised they left the golf carts on because it was so much water coming from the tires. God said, there'll be none of that. No dew, no water, no refreshment, no outpouring, no move of God, nothing. Because of my house. Look at my house that I left you in charge of. Adam. Remember? God made the garden, put Adam in it, and what did he tell him? Keep it and guard it. Keep it and guard it. You know, you and I have been born again into a born-again dying movement, thinking this is church, and we're like, what's going on here? We seem to be going backwards. How can this be? The words of life, the great house, there's not a house like this anywhere else on earth. This trumps, trumps plaza. This is way better than anything. What goes on in here? Souls are redeemed. And it's unkept, uncared for, unthought of. Now get my point, right? Don't come up here and say, oh, I'll cut grass. That's nice. I understand it. But that's not, we're talking about the spiritual part. Where are they? God says, you're not looking. All you got to do is look. So he thought, okay, God, this might be corny, but I'm going to see if we could help us look. Put them on. And look. So God said, the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. Man, I don't know if there's much fruit going on in the American church. I'm not saying it's dead as a doornail. I know that's not true, but man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Verse 11, God said, this is God talking now, right? You know this is the Lord talking. He says, and I called for a drought upon the land. So you can go work, send your wife to work, pick up a second job, send her for a second job. When a kid gets old enough, send him out. And God's just going to say, so God says, I'm calling for a drought upon the land, upon the mountains, upon the corn, upon the new wine, which is always a move of God, the oil, all that has to do with the Spirit of God. 
And upon the oil, upon that which the ground bringeth forth, upon men, upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands is a drought. Go build it, go sweat over it, nothing's going to happen from it. Because, why, why? You want us to work, you want us to be creative, absolutely, absolutely. But God says, you have left my house to waste. Look at all the people that could be in here hearing the Word of God this morning. Hearing the words of life. Receiving direction and guidance from the Word of God. Being able to pour life and Word into them. But we're not doing it. And normally what's par is this will stir you for a little and then we fall back in our rut. We just can't. We just can't anymore. We are in a severe drought in America. Severe drought of the move and the power and the glory and the majesty of God, of the anointing from anybody who speaks the word of God. It's all pat on the back, take your glasses off. Wonderful, you're wonderful, I'm wonderful. See you now. Matthew 6 24 says this No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. God just said you just can't do it. One's going to be your God and that's it. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought. Here's the plan, what God's telling us. As this God who breathes stars into existence doesn't know you need clothing and something to eat. And he just breathes stars into existence that you can see a trillion miles away, go faster than anything, and you can look up at night, feel the heat from the sun, see the moon at night, and think you've got to work your life away because you've got you to make it. You've got to provide. Not and letting God, the work that God has put inside of you for such a time as this, you let it lay waste. A number of you should have been mighty soul winners by now. Everybody should have been, could have been soul winners. At least speak. That's our job. I know that the Lord saves, but your job is to speak. Oh my gosh, your life. They're all around you. They're all around you. And we can't see them. We can't see them. We see the bum wanting food sitting down by the interstate. You get a job. what I see. God says, man, don't take any thought for your life on what you shall eat, what you shall drink, yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not life more than meat and body than raiment? You see, we, we are consumed with this. We don't have time. That's what we say. But, but I just don't, I, I know this is true, Pastor. I'll root you on. Our churches are like stadiums. About two dozen do the job and the rest cheer from the bleachers or boo. You're all in the game. You're all on the list. You all have a number that God's going to call. Number 88, get in there. Of course, on 33, 33 
is the answer. You guys know this. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. That doesn't mean you go quit work, because we know God's a God of work. God says, you don't work, you don't. That's not what he's saying. Put my stuff first. I got you that job. Oh, it was my scores in college. Who gave you the brains for college? Who gave you the ability to breathe so that you can walk to work or drive? They can think that you can put some stick in your hand that makes a blue glow and sparks and you can fix things. Who's done that? God's done this stuff. And God says, and my house, look at my house. The people of God got this so much in the Old Testament, they were overflowed with stuff that a man of God, have you ever seen this or heard this on God tube? Got up and said, no more offerings, please. Isn't it true? They had so much, it couldn't take anymore. The people were just giving and giving. And I'm not even talking about money. Don't you think this whole thing comes down to money? Money's the easy thing to give away. So Patrick, as you take down the lights, praise God and hope this thing runs and works back there. Just this simple little clip where this came from. And I only had 50 glasses to give away. Would like that enough for everybody. Every light possible, okay, please? Even mine. Now look, when this thing concludes, have some type of sweet song, because this is our altar call. I want you to think of the United States of America. I want you to think of the monument that we saw exists in Plymouth that we never knew existed, that the pilgrims left us, and how whoever, America, has just kept it hidden. How they have taken the things of God out of our school books and how they've just turned secular and away from God. But then think of yourself. Think of the people. When you go somewhere after church, if you run to Starbucks, if you run to Denny's, if you run to uh, somewhere to eat, and then just life and work itself, and you got to run out and you hurry up and you get gas and you got to just get going and others pull in around you and I don't, I don't think we get it. I don't think we understand our commission. The glasses, obviously, now you see. But if we don't come to the altar with a real heart and say, God, please, you've got to let me see, Lord. I know I pass these people by. I know I have pre-attitudes towards some. And we don't really see what's going on. We need the eyes of God. We need to see like God sees. You have the words of life in you to speak to people. Most might turn around, but some will come. Some will respond. It will resonate with some. But the church is not speaking. It's not talking. So as we start this worship song, please, 
come to the altar. Say, God, open up the eyes of my heart, please. Open up my spiritual eyes that I really can see these people. Open. The harvest is white. Fruit is ripe. And some are dropping. And no one is there to harvest it. Every one of you have been called for a specific job. Every one of you. You can say this isn't for me, but God says, I have a plan and a purpose for you. Don't ignore it. God will just keep blowing away all your labors until you put him first. First. Seek ye first. 